You're listening to a message from Ogden Church, a gospel-centered ministry for all people. We hope during the next few minutes you gain a better understanding of God's love expressed in the person of Jesus Christ. I am so thankful uh, for last week that Pastor Jack was able to step into uh, preaching. He did an amazing job. Super thankful for him. We are blessed. We're blessed as a church. Not a lot of places uh, have a youth pastor that does as well as he does, so we're super blessed. And so we have been in the book of Ephesians talking about identity and the outplay of how our identity changes the way we think about ourselves, the way we think about other people. And one of the things that should happen when our identity changes in Christ, when we come to Christ and our identity is found in Him, is that we have more peace with those around us. Peace in our souls. We are living in a culture that is unbelievably divided. There's dividing lines being drawn everywhere. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Did you vote for this person? Did you vote for this person? We get really upset with people don't that with people that don't see things the same way we do. And this chapter two in the book of Ephesians is going to talk about how we can have the deepest peace through Christ. I am going to show a clip that highlights the idea of having peace in the midst of crazy adversity. But the clip is from the movie The Shawshank Redemption. I don't know if you've seen this movie. There's some messed up stuff in it. I'm not necessarily recommending it, but this clip is phenomenal. So I thought we should watch it together and talk about what it means to have peace through the different things that we go through in life. So this is two characters in the movie. One is Andy Dufresne, who's serving two life sentences back-to-back, and he meets Red in the courtyard. And his experience from just watching him is that he acts different than everybody else. He walked and he talked like he didn't have a care in the world, like he wore a coat that protected him from all of the worries. Andy Dufresne later in the movie says, describes why he was walking like this. He says, hope, hope is a good thing, maybe the best of things, and a good thing never dies. You see, he had hope in the movie that he would be able to figure out a way to to get out and, and break out of prison and move on with his life. And so he was able to be protected and not experience some of the trials and challenges of prison in the same way as everybody else. But isn't it interesting that even 
in this movie, a, a secular movie, the idea of wanting and needing peace, trying to find it in the midst of crazy turmoil, is highly valued. And we all want peace. We all want to be able to say, look, I'm not going to let those things get to me. I'm not going to get manipulated and controlled by what someone else does. And we all try to say, hey, well, if you, if you do these things, it, maybe if you read this self-help book, you'll have peace. There's only one way. There's only one way to peace. Peace can only truly come through Christ. This is the only option. It's not enough money in your bank account. It's not the job that you want. If your kids are doing well, peace will not come because all of those things, Every single one of them can and will be taken from you. Every single thing in this world that you put your hope in will disappear. Save the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. The peace of Christ is given to three different groups of people we're going to see in this passage in Ephesians chapter 2. It's given to those who are far away. There's people that are close to God and those who are far from Him. Because of our sin, there's this gap. And so the peace of Christ can be had by those who are far. By those who are angry and hostile towards each other. And those who are idle or feel worthless. Those who are far, angry, and idle. Starting in verse 11, we're going to see how the peace of Christ can come to those who are far. This is what the Apostle Paul writes. Therefore, remember that formerly, you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at that time, you were separated from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenant of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Those who were far brought near. The Gentiles and the Jews, two fundamental groups of people at this time, these people hated each other. They did not like, the Jews had laws that you were not allowed to help with the birth of a Gentile woman because you would bring another Gentile into the world. We don't understand this level of division, or we often downplay it. Like, oh, well, maybe they didn't like you. These two groups hated each other. And there was one group that was really, really far from God from his holiness, and there was one group that was drawn near. And the Apostle Paul says, now those who are far have been brought near. This was so true that even in the temple, there were different sections where people had to sit, and it got progressively further away from the presence of God in the Holy of Holies. It was like the, the most holy place where God was, and then the priests, and then the men that were Jews, and then the women that were Jews, and then it just got progressively further and further away from God. 
God was so holy, is so holy, that at the time, the priest, when he went in once a year into the Holy of Holies, they had to tie a cord around his ankle for fear that he would die in God's presence and they would have to pull out his corpse. And the Apostle Paul says, no, 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 everyone is drawn into this incredible, amazing presence of God. This hope, this peace can be had by anyone. So if you feel like you're far off, if you feel like, hey, I've made mistakes, what could God do with me? This is what he does with those that are far. He draws them near. And I I don't know if you've had this experience, but there's all sorts of, you know, rules that we have to follow in different situations where you're not allowed to go certain places. You're not supposed to go past this barrier, right? This happens on an airplane. I heard a comedian say one time the stewardess sort of comes up to close the, the curtain between first class and coach. She looks at all the coach people and she says, well, maybe if you would have worked a little harder, then you could sit up here in first class. And she closes it. And we have this experience where it's like some people are over here, some people are over here. Divided. When I was... Growing up, my family had an incredibly long layover that was overnight, that was 12 hours in an airport. We had to sleep on what were probably the most uncomfortable chairs made in human history. And so we're we're sleeping on these chairs, can't sleep at all. It was a horrible experience. This layover felt like it lasted an eternity. Felt like it was just stuck, all right? So we do, I have that experience. Then recently, we went to Orlando's airport, but this time, I was with my brother-in-law, my sister's husband who serves in the military. And the Orlando airport has like this hospitality area for people who serve in the military. So my family and his family all get to go into this place that has like video games for kids and food and they got drinks, they got rooms that that are dark that you can sleep in. It was unbelievable. And we go in there and all of a sudden I'm like super aware that like, whoa, what? I'm not here because I'm able to, like I didn't do anything. I'm able to be here because my brother-in-law served in the military. He sacrificed, and as a result of him serving the country, we're able to be in this place that we wouldn't otherwise be able to be. Right? I'm looking at my kids. I'm like, don't eat too much, don't eat too much. They start asking questions. We're in trouble. Just don't do it. I'm trying to keep them under control. Find myself in a place that I shouldn't or didn't deserve to be. Because of the sacrifice of someone else. Jesus does this for us. Through his sacrifice on the cross, through his blood shed, he takes those who are far and he draws them near. Those who were lost, he makes them found. I worked with a friend of mine in Chicago and Every time we would talk about evangelism or sharing our faith with people who didn't know Christ, he would cry. And I mean, it's fine. Like, guys can cry. It's cool. But he would, it was every time. It was very consistent. And one time I just, I mustered up the courage. I was like, Scott, hey, what, like, you get really emotional about this. Is there, what's going on? Like, what happened in your past? And, and I'm, I'm a kid who grew up in church, around church, right? So I'd never been really away from a faith experience. And he said, Brandon, I didn't grow up like that. 
I didn't grow up in a family that knew Jesus at all. And so I remember what it was like in high school to go to bed and stare at the ceiling and feel like that's all there is. There's nothing else in the darkness and sadness of that. So every time he thought about sharing his faith with somebody else, he remembered what it was like to be far off and that God had brought him near. You know, it doesn't matter how far you think you are. Jesus stands in the gap and can be our peace even in the midst of feeling like we're far away. He's peace for those that are angry. So there's some that are, that are far away, and then there's those of us that experience anger and frustration with each other. Verses 14 through 18, this is how he continues. For he himself is our peace, who has made two groups one, has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create for himself one new humanity out of two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He, he came and preached peace to those who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we have access to the Father by one Spirit. Taking two different groups of people and making them one. Pulling them together. Not separate anymore. What does this look like? We have all sorts of walls that are being put up in life. You voted Democrat. I voted Republican. We, we find ourselves in a place where, well, this is, these are people that mask, and these are people that don't mask, and th this is what I believe. This is what you believe. And we have all of these walls, all of this division, all of this hostility and anger. But this is not what this passage is calling us to. As believers... If you are someone who finds yourself in the blood of Christ, that is of primary importance and everything else is secondary. Everything. We elevate these frustrations or desires or wants or what we think are needs to the level of Christ. And peace cannot be found there. Taking two different people and making them one through his sacrifice. We can't legislate peace. It's something that happens inside of us. Can you have peace? You can. Let me just apologize in advance to my sister, who I grew up with, and now I'm a pastor, so she has to put up with me making all sorts of, telling all sorts of stories of challenges we had as kids. I love my sister. She's great. When I was in high school, we didn't get along. I didn't like her. So we fought. And I was so frustrated by this. 
because my sister was a lot smarter than I was. So all the time I was in trouble and I didn't know why, but she figured it out. I love her. I love her. You're great. She watches sometimes. She's like, Brandon, really? You know, I watch it's. And I remember this one time in particular, I had helped her move to college. My dad came to me and said, look, we're a family. We're going to help each other. You help your sister move. Get your butt in the car. We're going to move her stuff. I'm like, okay, dad, we got, let's go. Then it came time for me to move to college. And my sister was nowhere to be found. (laughs) This is my breaking point. I had had enough. And so we sat down at at a Chinese food restaurant. I'm sitting with my family, and I'm looking at me and my mom and my dad. I'm like, that's it. I'm going to tell you how I really feel. How come every time I'm the one who has to show up, work hard, help my sister, and then when I need help, she does not help? This isn't fair. This is messed up. Super angry. And then something happened that I'll never forget. My mom started to cry. She started to cry at the table, and I remember her saying, Brandon, when your dad and I are gone, your sister is all you're going to have in this world is family. And I love you both, and I want you to get along. Now, she could have said, my dad could have said, look, we're, we're a family, and in the Rickard family, it's a rule that siblings get along. You have to follow that rule, because it's a rule. But instead, my mom appealed to me on the basis of her love for both of us, bringing us together in our division. She said, I love you, and I love you. It didn't fix everything right away, but it set my heart on a trajectory to say, you know what, there, there may be some differences, but you matter to her, so you matter to me. What does it look like for us to have disagreements, differences of perspective, but say, the blood of Christ is my identity, not my political perspective? Where is my real peace found? Do I think it will happen if this person gets elected? Do I think it will happen if this law changes? These things are fleeting and false hope. You were never meant to be defined by those things. Identity is not found in sexuality. It is not found in political perspective. It can only be found in Christ. Listen to this language in Galatians chapter 3. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. For all are one in Christ. He is our hope. He is our peace. There will be no peace in your heart if there is no Christ. Where does peace come from? Your hope cannot be in this world. Or it will break and crush you. Hope is only, only found in the person and sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He changes our identity to His, thus bringing us together. 
on the basis of his love, we can have peace. And you know what one of the criticisms of people is? Why on Sundays is the church so divided? It's a good question. But it is possible for us to have difference of opinion and strong thoughts on many things, but live as people of peace. But it's only possible through Christ. And when we elevate our own opinions to the place of salvation, there can only be one at the top. And we find ourselves sometimes in anger, wanting our way instead of resting in our salvation. Peace is only found in Christ for those who are far, those who are angry, and those who are idle. Consequently, in verse 19, he continues, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of the household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. Those who were far, those who felt like they didn't have a purpose, are brought in to be built up as the temple of God, the church, brought in useful when once we were useless. Built on the foundation of the apostles, and prophets. The, the teaching of God's word. This is why we preach out of the Bible every single week. Because this is the foundation. It's held together through the cornerstone of Christ. But we get to be a part of his building of his church. I don't know if you've ever done a home project. Or picked out wood with somebody who knows what they're doing. Some of you actually know what it's like to to search for a good board before it costs like $500 a board to, to go to Lowe's. But it's like they're on a date. These guys, they pick up the board. They're like, hey, is it straight this way? I'm going to flip. Is it straight that? I'm going to go. They're like calculating every, is this board good enough? And they're just chalking boards to the side. I'm like, I don't, I don't, they looks the same. That one on the floor looks the same. But they know what they're looking for, right? You know, if your search with somebody who knows what they're doing for a great board to build something, they know what they're looking for. And then they pick up, they're like, oh, this, yep, this is it, I found them. Let's put these in the cart, let's go check out, let's, let's take these, these are the good ones. They're looking for boards that are true, that are straight. And those are the ones that are chosen. Well, here's tough news all of us are warped all of us don't have that straightness in us but through the blood of Christ we're made new we're made right and God plucks us out and makes us a part of his building I know that it's easy to feel like what purpose do I have God what could you do with me. 
I've heard pastors say in the past, it's not the brave that God calls. It's those he calls that he makes brave. It's what happens on the other side of us being redeemed through the blood of Christ. We are made into something that we weren't before. Something useful and beautiful for the kingdom of God. This is a tough time. Identity is in question. There's a lot of stress. There's a lot of irritation. Are we online? Are we face-to-face? What are we going to do in school? I'm going to send my kids to learn here or to learn there. I'll tell you what. You can have peace in the midst of all of it. But what it takes is when we're able to say we're not just two people in the blood of Christ. We become one. We're able to say, I'm not just going to respect your opinion. We are together under the cross. My kids have gotten into a, a remake of a movie called Freaky Friday in the past couple years. I don't know if you've ever seen this movie, but what happens in these types of movies is that there's two people that really don't like each other. They don't get along. It's typically a mother and a daughter. They can't see eye to eye. And then by some weird magical situation, they wake up the next day in each other's bodies. So they ha- their soul sort of goes into the other person's body and they have to live through a couple of days experiencing what that person would experience. And what happens at the end of it is the people say, look, I I have a little bit more grace for where you're coming from because now I understand what it's like to actually be you. But what we have in Christ is a collective identity through his blood. And, And the church comes together and says, this is so much more important than everything else. I'm able to forgive and give grace when I'm hurt, when I'm harmed. Because I know I was given grace when I didn't deserve it. I can extend grace when somebody didn't even ask for it. The blood of Christ is the only hope for peace. And how does this play itself out? Like for you, thinking about the person who just is so hard to deal with, maybe your neighbor, your coworker, a family member who just pushes all your buttons, is like, oh, how am I supposed to deal with that person? We need to come to a place where we say there's something more important than the harm or frustration that I'm experiencing. There is such a thing as healthy boundaries. This is important. If, if there's abuse in a situation, healthy boundaries should take place. But we can still have peace in the midst of all of it. When I was in high school, there was a group of kids. I know this is going to be extremely difficult for you to believe. There was a group of kids that didn't like me in high school. It's hard, I know. It was tough for me too. And so I remember this one particular group thought it would be awesome to steal my mailbox from my house like 15 times over and over and over this guy would just take the entire mailbox post and all throw it in his pond right he's like what this one particular guy named jason was 
in this, this group that would steal my mailbox. I don't, it's a federal offense. I don't know how you get away with that many times, but I guess back then things were a little more open than they are now. But This guy, Jason, actually came to a church worship night that we had at my church growing up. And he walked up to me and he's, he said, Brandon, you know what? I know you know that I've been part of this whole thing and I just want you to know I'm sorry. And in that moment, even in my little high school Brandon mind, I knew that there was something more important than the offense that I had received. And I was able to say, I forgive you. And it was like the Spirit of God took two different people and helped them become one. This can only happen when that is far and away the number one priority for us. Where we say, whatever the rest of the world is doing, like Andy Dufresne, I have a protective covering that that can't touch me. My hope exists beyond this place. My peace is real, and it cannot be taken. On both sides of any argument, we must remember that peace is only found not in a law, not in a rule, not in a man, not in a husband or a wife or a college or career. We can say, my peace is only found in Christ. This is my hope, and it's hope for those who are far. It's hope for those who are angry. It's hope for those who are idle. To give those who are far the chance to be near. Those who are angry the chance to have real and lasting peace and to give the idle purpose. Real peace found in the blood of Christ. We're going to invite the band up for one final song. And as we do this song, we're going to celebrate communion together. Now, this is a sacrament that we celebrate as a church once a month. And it's important as we do this that we remember how we came to this place. Jesus, on the night before he was betrayed, took the bread and he broke it with his disciples for the Passover meal. And he said, this is my body that's broken for you. And he took the cup and he lifted it and he said, this wine symbolizes my blood that will be shed for the forgiveness of sins. Take, drink. Then he says, do this in remembrance of me. Remember what I have done. This is why we celebrate communion, to remember what Jesus did for us. So what for you is the most important thing in your life, in your heart? And will that thing bring you peace? See, whether you feel far, you can be brought near. If you're angry, you can have joy. If you feel useless and idle, God can give you an eternal purpose. But it is only through the blood of the Lamb. See, many people wonder, it's like, why, why was Jesus' first miracle turning water to wine? Did you know that he took the ceremonial basins and he 
that were used for washing and cleansing hands and turned that water to wine. As if to say, you used to clean yourself this way. You used to wash your hands, but now you're going to clean yourselves a different way through the blood that I will shed for you on the cross. Everything with a purpose. The only way to achieve real peace in your soul is through the blood of Christ. This is hope. It's eternal and it cannot be taken or touched by this world. Don't you, don't you want that? I do. You can have it through the blood of the Lamb. Let's pray and then we'll close. God, what an amazing chance we have to worship together. God, I pray that you would remind us that our only hope is in you. Reveal this world for what it is, the false hope that's put before us over and over. But God, let us come to you again trusting more and more in your name and in your name alone. God, if there's people here that feel far, help them to know they can be brought near. There's hope in you. If we're angry, give us joy through your blood, through your sacrifice. Give us purpose for the idol that you're building us into a house for the glory of your name. Father, we turn our eyes to you as we go out to face another week. We love you, Lord. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for worshiping with us this Sunday. We hope you enjoyed this message. Please join us on Sunday mornings at 9.30 or 11 a.m. If you'd like any more information about Ogden Church, just visit our website at ogdenchurch.org or Facebook. 